Welcome to Spielin' and Dealin', the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of SandySpiel.com, and with me today, as always, is the producer and moderator of the podcast, Ramin Forgani. Ramin, the GHSA 2017-2018 high school basketball season is in the books it wasn't the best state championships as far as the scoreboard shows with 12 games of the 16 finishing with double-digit results. But other than that, Ramin, how are you doing, sir? I am doing well, Kyle. I guess this is a bit of a solemn podcast as uh, the 17-18 season is over, as you just mentioned. But that's another one in the books. This is, I guess, our first full season doing the podcast. Uh, second championships we've covered and. We'll get to it, as you said. Maybe this one won't be as long as some of the other podcasts, as not a lot to talk about some of these championship games. The scoreboard tells it all, but we'll we'll touch on every one of them. We'll go in chronological order from the first to the last. The first was on March the 7th at the Macon Centerplex, which, by the way, before we get to the first game there, Kyle, uh, some people may have said that you liked the new renovations to the Macon Centerplex. Is that true? Yeah, I'm going to leave you in su- suspense because first I'd like to thank our Spielman and Dylan podcast sponsor, Sportal Space. Sportal Space helps teams find gyms and fields for practice or training and makes booking a gym as easy as finding a restaurant on Open Table or a hotel on Expedia. Check out Sportal Space every practice, every game. And with that being said, Ramin, the rumors are true. The Macon Centerplex was quite nice. It was much better than we last saw it. In better shape, the Spectra Group, Spectra Group did a great job. The floors were very nice, very clean. The lighting was spectacular, especially during the pregame introductions. Uh, they didn't show it off as much as I did for that first game between Laney and Josie girls. But, man, they could bring out all the color spectrums. It was great. Um uh, the free parking was very nice. They had some food up there as well. I heard a couple people complain about Wi-Fi and cell phone service. A lot of it was coming from the people in the stands. But if you were connected to the correct Wi-Fi, or if, uh, maybe it was just you had to get connected very early, everything went very, very well. Had no problems with the Wi-Fi or cell phone service. So I would say knock on wood, but I guess we don't have to knock on wood uh, for another another year now, but it went very well. The only thing was the floor was ice cold because they do have a hockey team and they do have ice under those floors. So, you know, you just got to suck it up and double up. I bought some wool socks and doubled up my socks for the final day. Uh, so other than that, it was all good. But man, if you were if you were one of those 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 late late leavers there, uh, when they were starting to dig up that, that court and get the ice back ready for the hockey game the, the following day, boy, if you thought it was cold before, it was freezing cold because they were bringing that ice up, and I'm pretty sure it was about 30 degrees in that gym uh, around 10.30 the time I left. But overall, making centerplex, let's give them a round of applause. Did a very nice job. I told everybody in the offseason, give them a chance to get it right. They got it right this time. Now, of course, I still would love to see – more of the games at Georgia Tech and all that and all this, but overall, a very nice job by the Macon Centerplex. I was just about to ask you, Kyle, does this change your opinion on game distribution? But you just answered that before I could get to it. So we'll get to the first game, Class 2A girls' side. Laney, Josie, fifth rematch of the season. Laney won for the fifth time, 63-40. to Yeah, pretty expected. Josie, you could see why Josie could give him some problems early, but uh, 
Josie was up 16 to 15, and then a 12-0 run by Laney, and that was all she wrote. Pretty much, Deshaun Benjamin was just unstoppable. 19 points in the first half, finished with 26 points and 11 rebounds. Uh, Josie was not able to knock down any three-point shots, and the Roland sisters were shut down to 17 combined points, considering how Takedra Roland averages about 17 on her own, and Rykeria is about at 12 points per game, so... They really got shut down, and that game got pretty ugly. Josie with the, uh, you know, just couldn't slow down. Daisha Benjamin and Jessica Williams, you know, that three-headed attack with Jaden Hamilton, too. So there was a lot of red and a lot of green, a lot of Augusta, folks. And uh, Laney, they won another one, repeat, and won their 62nd straight game. That's impressive, Kyle. On the boys' side of 2A, Thomasville crushed Vidalia 66-31. to yeah, Thomasville on paper always looked like the best team, but I was a late adopter. I wasn't too sure, but they definitely proved their worth getting past Swainsboro 56-50 in that first round. And it was kind of kind of weird. You look at it, okay, their first round game was six points. Second round game against Dublin was 12 points. Then it was a blowout. Then 17 points in the final four. So it kind of got the, – the farther along they played into the tournament, the wider the margin of victory got – and we kind of talked about it on the, the, the pregame, the, the preview. Vidalia on paper was going to be a heavy underdog with just no size. But you know what? Vidalia didn't compete. You know, to get beat by 33 points down, 41 to 10 at the half, they were scared out there, Ramin. They were terrified. I mean, Jesus, you know, we're in the state championship. Compete. What is this, not even getting back on defense? I know they're bigger than you, and they're going to they're gonna use their size to, to really pound you in a couple ways. But, I mean, come on. Just 13-0, they were scared out there, and they got beat down. It was a horrible showing. And, you know, they probably shouldn't finish the season ranked second. I should have gave it to, like, Glenn Hills or someone like that because – it was just bad, and they did not compete. Now, credit them for getting there and beating Laney in the Final Four to show up there, but, I mean, come on. It, it was it was a terrible, terrible performance. Thomasville did play very well. Reggie Perry had his 17 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 blocks. Fontarius Woolbright really set the tone for him with 17 points and 7 assists. But I think, you know, as, you know, I, I, I give it – 70% of what Thomasville did was the reason they won this game, but 30% of it was just Vidalia just really scared and 2 of 25 from 3, just very bad. Taj Jones had 10 points. Uh, it was a really bad game, Ramin. We'll leave it at that. The 6 o'clock game started off a public on the girls' side. Greenville beat Marion County 73-52. to Oh, yeah, Greenville. I mean, it looked like Marion County was coming out double-teaming Brittany Davis, trying to not let her touch the ball at all. The Mississippi State signee that is averaging close to 32 points per game and the reigning Class A Public Player of the Year. So they were double-teaming her from the start, but give credit to Greenville. The quote-unquote role players really stepped up. Shabrika Leslie and Jabrika Leslie, the two freshmen, they were great. Shabrika with 14, Jabrika with 12. Uh, Nereus Sladen had 8.16 rebounds, 5 steals. So they were able to help out Greenville. And then, you know, you look at at the end of the day, Davis had 30 points, but she was 5 of 20 from the field, had 11 rebounds too, 19 of 20 from the foul line. I think all our biggest scores this, this past week 
uh, all our championship game, our, our, our big stat lines, they all came from the foul line, whether it's 19 of 20 here. We're going to talk about Landers Nolan and what he did from the foul line, Hunter McIntosh, what he did from the foul line. There was nobody like going out and hitting eight or nine threes or going 12 of 16 from the field. Everybody got their points from the foul lines, and there were a lot of whistles uh, in the state championships. But, uh, yeah, Greenville was just too much for them. Marion County got off to a slow start, and, uh, you know, they they just really struggled. I was very impressed with Ashley Whitley, uh, her aggressiveness inside for Marion County. Rebounding had 18 rebounds, and she was just all arms and legs just fighting for every, every ball. But in the end, they just could not keep Davis off the foul line. On the boys' side of Class A public, it was Wilkinson County versus Montgomery County, seventy-one to sixty-eight, the first close game of the night. Yeah, that now that was a really good one. I mean, my goodness, stock up, Jalil Wilson, the senior, Montgomery County. No one was more impressive in making at least that first day than Jalil Wilson. You see him for Montgomery County, about six foot four, had the dreads, had a headband. But he had some glasses, and when you see a kid with glasses, you're like, oh, Jesus, is this kid good? I don't know what's going on. He was phenomenal. He was the best player on the court that night. Now, I hear talking to his coach, you know, he's streaky, averaged 16 points, 8 rebounds per game, roughly on the season. But we saw what he could do, 27 points, 6 rebounds, 6 blocks. Every time Montgomery County would go down about 8 points or so, it's it's Wilson off the dribble with a, a 15-footer, finishing inside through traffic, getting an and one, blocking the shot. He was phenomenal, and I have junior coach is asking about him now. And Shaw Robinson, the third head of that attack, averages 18 points per game on the season, had 22 in the final four, just 2 of 11 from the field, had an air ball on that last shot attempt for Montgomery County. But Wilkinson County, they, they proved that they could play fast, they could play slow. There were ebbs and flows in this game, but... Jalen Lamar was really good for them, super efficient, 9 of 14 from the field for 22 points. And then Tylen Grable, their big fill, who came off the bench, uh, he, he contributed his 11 points and 14 rebounds. And at the end of the day, Wilkinson County just, they always find a way to win. Even though Montgomery outshot them 72 to 50, they had 22 more shot attempts. Wilkinson was more efficient, 50% of their shots are hit. They hit, well, Montgomery County just made 36%. And just three of 18 from three. But that was a great game. And uh, just didn't have enough juice left to uh, get over the hump after Wilkinson took that fourth quarter lead. But a really, a really a great game there. And Wilkinson County finds another way to win a state championship. They're 10th in school history and 6th in the last eight years. That's an impressive dynasty going on day two, March the 8th, Thursday. It was class 3A tipping it off. Johnson Savannah versus GAC on the girls' side. Johnson Savannah won that one 62 to 50. Gianna Copeland, that is a story. You can stop it right there. I know Jemiah Cutter had a really good game. She had 19 points. Obviously, you need to score, but that game was set. The tone was set in that first quarter. Gianna Copeland, six foot five, blocked seven shots in the first six minutes. Finished with three points, 12 rebounds, 12 block shots, and she's not blocking nobody. She was sending back Carrie Reynolds, who had 13 and 11. Uh, she's going to Hofstra. She was rejecting her shot. She gave Mary Martha Turner, who's going to Wofford, a hell of a night. She had six points, 18 rebounds, but, I mean, she could not score inside. And when you have, especially in girls' basketball, where every coach says the game is won on layups and free throws, if you have some of that 
absolutely has locked down the interior paint. You're not scoring within 10 feet of the basket. That makes life very hard, and Copeland was dominant. She absolutely dominated, controlled this game, shut down everything, changed everything that GAC was going to have to try and do. Now, they were able to break free a little bit in the second half and started scoring on some transition buckets here and there. Uh, beating Copeland down the floor, but my gosh, she was so good. She just shut everything down. Now, GAC, they cut it close, 53-48 to 48 with 127 left, but then, you know, they had a couple missed opportunities. They did a good job at one point fouling Copeland when she got the ball on the press on the end. That's who you needed to foul, but one trip down, they, they weren't able to do it, and they got it into either Jasmine Thompson's hands or Cutter's hands or Bubbles Williams' hands. One of those guards got the ball, and they were able to knock down free throws. So they kind of missed the opportunity, which could have cut the game a little bit closer. Uh, but GAC, they just they couldn't get over the hump. It was just too much Copeland inside. And Cutter, we mentioned 19 points. Bubbles Williams finished her career with 12 points and four assists. I was very impressed with her. I thought she looked a lot better than what I saw her last year against Beach in the championship game. Fancy dribbler, uh, really good, really impressed with her. And then uh, we mentioned Jasmine Thompson. She had 13 points and eight rebounds. So just too much. It was just all locked down in the paint. Great job, Gianna Copeland. Definitely with just three points, she was the MVP of this game. And by the way, before we go on to the boys game, Kyle, the Johnson Savannah Adam Smashers, what a name. Yeah, yeah, you, you got to love it. Uh, Savannah was well represented, and uh, they got a split because in Class 3A boys, Ramin, introduce it for me, sir. It's going to be GAC versus Jenkins. GAC also splits because they won this one 67-53. That is right, and this was a good game. I mean, GAC was down 25-20 to 20 at the half after they went up. You know, they were off to a hot start, but Jenkins, a 15-1 run, gave him that lead at the half, but too much GAC. They pulled away Hunter. What he seems to always do now in the state playoffs, he gets all his points from the foul line. He had a game-high 19 points. He went 14 of 19 from the line and really iced it. But you know who came up big in that second half was Chris Hinton. He came up big, the Michigan football commit. Had 12 of his 16 points in the second half. He was a big wide body, very active. But in that third quarter, who really spurred him to victory, I think, was provided them with some great scoring. Ben Shepard. Ben Shepard had eight of his 15 points in that third quarter. Gave him a nice lift. I think they hit about four threes, something like that, in that third quarter to uh, to really get them going and gave them some separation from Jenkins. And Jenkins just was not able to close the gap. Um Jenkins got 12 points from Cy Fisher, Mayon Williams 11 points, and Matthew Sams 10 points. But they did a really nice job on uh, Trey Mays and Tyrone Scott. Did not let them affect the game too much. So GAC, they'll be back. All those guys, all juniors, very impressive. And it was all started from that 24-point third quarter that really gave the Spartans the lift they needed to get past Jenkins. On the girls' side of 5A, another matchup that everyone's familiar with, Buford over Flowery Branch, 60-49. to Again, another one of these rematches we just we just knew, or at least I knew, any team in any team in the state uh, except Buford. They just can't beat them. It's seven in a row now, on seven the past two years. They just can't beat them. And that's not a knock on Flowery Branch. I mean, they're really good. They can beat pretty much everybody in the state, but they just can't beat Buford. I don't know what it is, but they just can't do it. 
Uh, and that was a kind of a foregone conclusion. Another good game, but Buford just too much. Torrey Osmond, 28 points, seven rebounds, five assists going to Michigan State. You got 12 points from Ebony Grant to help out. Uh, Tania Worth did everything she could before fouling out with 18 points, 14 rebounds, four assists. She'll be at Alabama next year. And uh, kind of their X factor, Caroline Wysocki, she was held to 10 points, but she was one of seven from the field, got a lot of it from the foul line, and just just not enough. And again, the magic number, thank you, Travis Coxworth, for coming on. Every single game, Buford allowed over 50 points, 50 points or more, they lost. So they had three losses on the season. All those losses, they gave up over 50 points. How many points did they give up to Flowery Branch? 49 points. Flowery Branch could not hit the magic number of 50, and that is what decided this game. Buford 60, Flowery Branch 49. Falcons not able to get to that magic number of 50. Buford finishes the season undefeated while holding teams under 50 points. On the nightcap of day two of the GHSA championships was Warner Robins versus Miller Grove. It was 67-64. Warner Robins won it on a near buzzer beater. Yes, and they sent Macon, the Macon Centerplex crowd, home with a bang there. Jacoby Owens has been saying he's the best unsigned point guard in the state. He is good. We said last year he could not shoot the three ball. He has improved his three-point shooting. We've seen it all season long. And what do you know? That's what you see. Players are made in the offseason. Jacoby Owens made himself into a three-point shooter, a dangerous three-point shooter. And with 1.3 seconds left, he buries a dagger over the outstretched arms of some Miller Grove defenders. Great game. They put 1.3 seconds left on the clock, so it was kind of anticlimactic. But 67-64, Warner Robins. Jacoby Owens really carried the load. Nelson Phillips is really quiet. I mean, he scored his first basket at the uh, the 531 mark of the second quarter. He had a big, loud, one-handed putback jam to get him going a little bit. Then uh, Warner Robbins extended that lead to, to 43-35 and 51-44 going into the fourth quarter. But give credit to Miller Grove. They did not go away. Maurice Harvey had a great game with 16 points and 10 rebounds. Uh, I believe he had couple, what, six assists to go along with that as well. He had a great game for um, 14 points, 10 rebounds, six assists for Maurice Harvey. He had a great game for Miller Grove, but I think the key here was Miller Grove's big men were not able to really affect this game like I thought they could. Kevin Page and Jermon Clark both very quiet, and uh, credit Warner Robbins did a great job, you know, doing a good job on the glass. They actually out-rebounded Miller Grove 43-36 to and had 22 offensive rebounds. So Warner Robins, just 21 miles away from home, they were able to capture their first ever state championship. And again, this is a team that played all together throughout the offseason. Warner Robins All-Stars. There is something to be said with chemistry. Chemistry is very, very big, and we'll talk about that a little later, but that is sometimes what can separate really, really good teams from great teams, that chemistry, playing with each other year-round and for multiple seasons. Now we move to Atlanta at Georgia Tech's McCamish Pavilion for the first game of the day on March 9th. It was the girls' side of Class A Private Wesleyan topped Holy Innocent 61-44. to same old song and dance, Holy Innocence can't beat Wesleyan when it matters most. I don't know what to tell you, Holy Innocence. You look at it, they had the better athletes, the better this, the better that. But again, 
I guess this could have a little bit of chemistry. And, you know, Jan Azar is X's and O's, and they X'd and O's their way to a, a big win. I mean, they lost Holy Innocence by 20 at one point earlier in the season. But Holy Innocence, someone said it best to me, they don't really have a true point guard, and that really hurt them. Kayla Hubbard going to UGA. Um, I, it looks like she finished with 18 points in this game. It was not the easiest 18 points, and they just they they got it taken to them, and they just can't seem to beat Wesleyan in the biggest on the biggest stage. And uh, Southern West was a pest, 17 points, eight rebounds. AC Carter was great in the first half. She finished with 14 and 11. Amaya registered 12 points. Paige Long the first one, 10 points and six rebounds, but um. They were not able to establish Jillian Hollingshed, who had a monster size advantage inside. She had 16 rebounds. She had three blocks, but only five points. Candy Suttle, who was so great in last year's championship, 16 and 13, she only had four points and seven rebounds. She only took about four shots. And the Golden Bear shot just 27% from the field. So Wesleyan, they just they made them look really, really bad after Holy Innocence had a phenomenal season. But on the biggest stage... The lights were shining the brightest. Holy Innocence could not get the job done. On the boys' side, Aquinas edged out St. Francis 65 to 60. Free throws in the first half took 15 free throw attempts in the first half, uh, 12 to 4 on the foul count there, but St. Francis still led 33 to 26. They came out red hot, knocking down some threes, uh, hit all their jumpers early on to extend the lead. But they, it went a little cold, and then a 25-9 to third quarter uh, really did in St. Francis. St. Francis had one final look. C.J. Riley had 18 points, had a, one last look in the corner, but was able, unable to hit it. Juan Odom was great. Uh, and then Aquinas uh, had some big contributions from Trey Gomillion, Dwan Hill, and Daniel Parrish. But there is more to winning a state championship. There's more to life than basketball, and uh, the Aquinas fans—they know what they did. They had a—they—they—they they, they definitely made a fool of themselves, and uh, it was very disappointing, very bad, very bad. But they won their state championship. Now let's see if they can actually get some of those kids to the next level, like they claim. So, moving on to Class Six A, we have Lovejoy and Harrison. Ramin, who won that one? Lovejoy took care of Harrison, fifty-seven to forty-one. Lovejoy, again, this is another one they just pulled away in the fourth quarter. A 12-0 run to start the fourth led to a 23-5 fourth quarter. And uh, Lovejoy, they they did what they set out to do. Anaya Boyd was great, 20 points, 5 rebounds. Genesis Bryant was really, you know, it took her a while to get going, but she got her 14 points. And the role players, Ivana Preston, 8 points. Kayla Brown, 8 points, 13 rebounds, and 2 blocks. She was really good. And... You know, Audrey Jordan, the UAB signing, they just were not able to get her going, Harrison. She only had three shot attempts, which is just crazy. Three shot attempts for Audrey Jordan, a great career. She had four points, five rebounds, two assists, and two steals. She fouled out. Harper Vick, she led the way, 10 points, four assists, and Sarah Wokeran, 8.7 rebounds. But uh, Lovejoy did a really good job. They had 12 turnovers in the first half, were sloppy. Finished with just four turnovers in the second half, and their defensive pressure finally clamped down on Harrison, and they wore him out in the fourth quarter. But this was a, a good game. I mean, going into the 
fourth quarter, it was 36-34. Harrison was winning, but um, Anaya Boyd and Bryant, they started making the plays in the fourth quarter, and that, that pressure defense finally cracked Harrison, and uh, it was ended up being a 16-point game. On the boys' side of 6A, Langston Hughes repeated over Gainesville, 85-78. to Yeah, and, you know, I was saying this at halftime, a couple things. Okay, they went up 44-33, to and they were, their largest lead was 42-28 at the 205 mark, uh, Gainesville. We're speaking, Gainesville was cutting up that Langston Hughes press, getting easy baskets. Kawan Hale had a great first half, 13 of his 15 points in the half. K.J. Buffin scored all 13 of his points in the first half. But Gainesville was in massive foul trouble. They had about three or four guys with about three fouls at halftime. And then quick fourth fouls. And I, I was saying, this is a little bit of fool's gold. Yes, you're, you're winning right now, but can you keep up this pace while you keep con- uh, collecting all these fouls and they play this aggressive style of defense and foul trouble, foul trouble, foul trouble? The good thing for Gainesville, they're super deep, but at some point that depth is going to fall off a cliff because you got all these guys with four fouls. K.J. Buffin was hardly able to play in that second half, and he didn't even score in the second half after he was so good in the first half. And, you know, Gainesville, they just they couldn't – keep Landers Nolly off the line and that's what happened Landers started going to the line and the fouls started piling up he ended up with 34 points 10 rebounds 6 assists 17 of 20 from the foul line continuing the trend of all our top scores doing most of their damage from the foul line but the key factor here was Tyler Smith he only had three points I believe it was in the first half and I was telling the great Chuck Jones he said they're gonna have to get something from Tyler Smith they're going to have to get something. He moved in from Carolina. He's got to be more than just dunks. He came out super aggressive, eight points in that third quarter, knocked down some jump shots, attacked the rim. At the end of the day, he finished with 17 points, and that's all you need. He was going for 17 points. You had uh, Tyrell Morgan. I think he finished with 14 points. Patrick Carter got him off to a nice start early in that first quarter. We said Gainesville hasn't faced adversity since January 20th when they pulled a rabbit out of their hat to beat Buford 83-81. They had no single-digit game since then. And I was saying, what's going to happen when they find themselves in a close game in the third or fourth quarter? They find themselves down six points here or there. Are they going to be able to rally back and come back? Now, I'll give them credit. They didn't just lay down and roll over and die. They they had some good opportunities. Rafael Rubel made it 80-77 to 77 with 48 seconds left. So they, they battled back, but they were unable to ever regain that lead after uh, – Langston Hughes took it in. Gainesville's final lead of the game actually was in the third quarter, 57-56, the 2-16 mark. So Gainesville never even led in the fourth quarter. And, you know, I, I you know, give credit to Gainesville. I thought if they were going to go down, they were going to go down in smoke. They were going to go down in flames, and it was going to be really bad. I think we saw a technical foul in this game. But there was, you know, considering how the game ended between them and the Elite Eight last year, and it was a circus, it was a mess, I think they, you know, they lost with dignity, and you got to give credit to them. It wasn't terrible because you know this was this was it for Gainesville. Benji Wood is off to uh, Cherokee Bluff now. This Gainesville program is gonna it has to go under a rebuild when you lose so much talent that they just had. Um, but they they lost, and every you know cooler heads prevailed. Nothing bad happened, and Landers Nolly was just too good. And give credit to Rory Welsh. He is a really 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 good coach. And uh, when you have the best player in the state on your team, he can sometimes help you and carry you to a championship. And that's what Langston Hughes did to repeat. 
On the final day of GHSA Championship Basketball, Saturday, March the 10th at McCamish, we tip it off with Class 4 on the girl, Class 4A, excuse me, on the girl side. Spalding versus Henry County. This one was never really close. Spalding topped Henry County 58-46. to Another one, another one that was uh, a blowout. Uh, Henry County made the score a little bit closer, but I think that game might have got up to close to 20 points at one point. But Coriana Evans, that was it. She was in foul trouble against Carver Columbia play much. She had six points down the stretch late in the game to really lift them to their final four victory. She had 19 points and 17 rebounds. Henry County could not match her. Usoria McCorder was unable to really affect this game. She was the tallest player on the court, but Coriana Evans, she was so good. Get those rebounds, and she would just stop and pop from 15 from the foul line. Kira Milner, not her threes. Kiana Banks had eight points and nine rebounds, but everything started with Evans. Just incredible how good she was. And Anaya Jester, Jester was in foul trouble, so she couldn't really affect this game. But that could be uh-oh, but Evans was on the court for as long as she needed to be, and she was outstanding. And Brooke Moore, she had a slow start to the game. She started hitting some shots late, the Auburn signee. She finished with 21 points. And Amaya Jackson, who I really like from the Final Four, had 10 points and 8 rebounds. But other than that, they just they couldn't get it going. And there were 6 of 29 from 3, just 26.8%. And uh, the Warhawks just were not able to make enough outside shots to uh, to keep that Spalding defense honest. And uh, Spalding was really good all, all throughout the season, really relied on their defense, and we saw it again. 58-46 over Henry County. On the boys' side, it was the rematch everyone was waiting for. Class 4A, Ups and Lee versus St. Pius. Ups and Lee won to repeat in the state championship, 70-54. to This was a close game for about three and a half quarters before Ups and Lee pulled away there. But Kyle, what did you see? Jarrett Adderton. Jarrett Adderton. I tried to tell people before the game, once we found out Ja'Cory Smith was unable to go, Jarrett Adderton is going to be an X-factor in this game. I thought it was going to be defensively, but man, he was so good. 16 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 10 points in the first half when it was still a close game. He was so good. I mean, the problem with St. Pius, they were unable to close these quarters very well. They went up 33-25 after Everett Lane broke free. For two back-to-back three-pointers at the 104 mark in the second quarter, he was held to just 11 points. They did a great job. Cameron Trailer, who struggled offensively, he did a really, really nice job on Everett Lane. But down 33-25, I'm thinking, uh-oh, ups and lee, they're, they're in trouble. St. Pius is a real deal. 7-0 run, capped by an Adderton block, which led to a Fagan layup with two seconds left. So that cut the lead to 33-32. And, well... Like we said, this game is going to be decided at the three-point line and in the paint. St. Pius was 5 of 14 in the first half from three. That gave them that lead. Second half, what happened? They were just one of nine from beyond the arc. And again, we talked about in the paint. Again, Trayvon Walker and company dominated in the paint. But again, I mean... St. Pius, they had to get more inside. Zach Ranson did a great job with nine points. But again, Kennedy Willis, biggest guy out, out there on the court at six foot nine. 
Yeah. I think he had like four rebounds. Again, Trayvon Walker just did whatever he wanted with him on the glass, and that really hurt them. Trayvon finished with 11 points, 12 rebounds, and those aforementioned five blocks. Um, and Ty Fagan, I mean, he was just cool and collected throughout the game. Peppered him from you know four to six points here and there. Finished with 21 points, 10 rebounds, four assists, and two blocks. And, uh, I mean, that was it. And Zyrie Scott, he got hot there for a little stretch, had 14 points, four rebounds, five assists, and picked up a Columbus State offer after the game. But that was pretty much it. And uh, the Golden Lions, they did a good job. They scored 19 points off 18 ups and lead turnovers, which is something you can get ups and lead. Ball. But, I mean, ups and lead, they're the best team in the state of Georgia. You know what? Ups and lead did beat uh, Warner Robins, another state champion, Upsonley took care of Texas. They blew them out in the Lake City Classic. So I know we want to talk about Norcross and McEachin and Meadow Creek. And yes, on paper, yeah, they should beat Upsonley. These games aren't played on paper, folks. This is the deciding factor of Upsonley. These kids have all played together since 2012 and beyond. They've been playing with each other forever. And that builds chemistry. And not to knock these other teams... These other great teams, a lot of these great teams are in some capacity, in some form, pieced together. They're not playing the past six, seven years together. It's just that's that's just hard to find anywhere. But a lot of them, you know, a transfer here and there, a transfer this, that they don't have the chemistry that Ups and Lee has, and that's why Ups and Lee is the best team in the state of Georgia. Unless otherwise proved, no one else has done what they've done. They've won 63 straight games, and the chemistry is a deciding factor. Yes, all these other teams, McEachern, yes, you got all the five-star players. You should beat Ups and Lee on paper, but if, if, if I mean, it's just something else what Ups and Lee has been able to do, and they'll probably get snubbed for the Geico Nationals, and if they went to the Geico, Geico Nationals, I'm not saying they would win it all or anything like that, but the best team, T-E-A-M, best team in the state of Georgia, not just individuals, best team, hands down, Ups and Lee, and it's probably not even close. On to Class 6A, Kyle Westlake over Newton, 60-45 to on the girls' side. And Ramin Borgani was telling me Newton was going to win this game, and Newton, again, this was another close game, and Westlake led 39-32 at the end of three. They started to pull away, uh, you know, late there in the third quarter. Uh, Newton, they they tried to keep coming back, keep coming back. Journey Smith was great, 25.6 rebounds. And Lexi Chapman, she's just a little undersized, but you could tell that it is a tough-nosed guard, 13.7 rebounds. But Anastasia Warren, who picked up a uh, an offer after, after the game, uh, she finished with 22 points. Uh, so she did a really, really nice job for them. She got an offer from Winthrop, I believe it was, trying to remember who it is. But Raven Johnson, she won this game down the stretch. The freshman for Westlake, 15 points and 11 rebounds. The big moment in this game, late in the game, she missed a free throw, got her own rebound, and finished a bucket inside to make it, uh, what, like a, a three-point Possession there, four-point possession, something like that. Extended the lead to 50-41 to 41 with 113 remaining. That was a backbreaker. But Raven Johnson was great. And Taylor Hosendove, she had some spurts of being very impressive. The Texas Tech commit 10.6 rebounds. But Westlake, from start to finish, from wire to wire, the number one team in the state, should have never doubted them. Just too good, 1 through 12. And they were able to beat Newton. 
On the boys' side, the final game of the 2017-2018 season. Another rematch, Meadow Creek versus Norcross. Meadow Creek won this one by 13, 56-43. Yeah, and I mean, I guess two of their losses to Norcross this year were buzzer beaters. So going into this game, it's not crazy to think that Meadow Creek would win this one. Maybe by the final score, uh, 13 points. But it kind of reminds me of last year with, with Beach and Johnson girls playing, and they it was like two thirteen, two eleven in their their first four matchups with you know the point totals, and you knew it was going to be a close game, but it ended up Beach blew them out, and I, I was surprised. I was a little bit surprised by the 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 thirteen point score, but Meadow Creek was very good and too much inside outscored. Norcross 30 to 16, Amari Kelly 12 and 8 with three blocks, Corey Hightower 6 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists. Isa Muhammad did not have a good game for Norcross and he was going to be very important cuz he battled and he killed it against I guess it was McKeechern. he really rose to the occasion but he was out of it early. I think he got into some foul trouble as well. Uh, Brandon Boston, he fouled out uh early in that fourth quarter, and that was all she wrote. Once he fouled out, uh, Meadow Creek outscored him 18-6, to and it was a 13-1 run to start that fourth quarter that put this game out of reach. Um, Dequirius Nicholas finished from the line. He was 5-6 of six from the foul line in the fourth quarter. He had a game-high 16 points, and it was a very defensive battle. Meadow Creek was a very good defensive team with those two 6-8s inside, and Jameer Chaplin, he shut the door with that great Kedrick Green um, behind the back pass on the fast break to make it 46-37, and that was pretty much uh, that was pretty much the game right there. But Kyle Sturdivant, he was unable to do his late game heroics. I'm sure Meadow Creek was breathe uh, a sigh of a sigh of relief seeing that this wasn't a one possession game with 10 seconds left. Sturdivant still had his 14 points and seven rebounds, but he was never able to affect the game when it mattered most. And Meadow Creek defense wins championships, toughness wins championships, and they found a way to get the job done for their first ever state title. That will do it, Kyle. Before we wrap this podcast up, you did release your final 2017-2018 uh, state rankings, and I think we don't need to go through those because I think this question will help answer it all. Were every number one and number two seed decided by the winner and runner-up of the state classifications? Uh, I believe so. It looks like that. That was how it was all determined. Now, again, I, I prefaced it in, in Class 2A, probably Vidalia, after their showing, probably shouldn't have got that. But Glen Hills, I mean, this was a thing. I was gonna If Glen Hills didn't get blown out by 17, Glen Hills was going to get the two, the uh, the number two spot. Because we said that Thomasville, all their games, the, the deeper they got into the tournament, the bigger the blowouts so I couldn't put, oh, Swainsboro played them the closest, but Swainsboro was in the first round, and uh, I couldn't put a team that got eliminated in the first round number two just because they played Thomasville the closest. But, yeah, Vidalia's the only, the only one, but uh, you got to give them credit for getting there. The road definitely was not as difficult as Thomasville's was. Thomasville was definitely battle-tested, but uh, Class 2A, that that. That two spot, I don't think Vidalia was the second best team in the state. But that's just how the, the, the lay of the land is. The Elite Eights afforded us with a lot of state championship games, and a lot of us kind of 
So dang it, man. This sucks how the brackets are laid out, and that's how some people want reform, because especially in 6A, I mean, that Winderboro versus Lovejoy game, that was the state championship, and we knew that was probably going to be it. No offense to Harrison, but Winderboro was really good, and that was a great game. We saw it in a couple spots here and there, and we thought with uh, McEachern versus uh, Norcross, we thought that was going to be the state championship. But again, you see how tough it is to win a state title. In the GHSA, Meadow Creek, they didn't have as tough a road as Norcross did, but they were able to win the games and they mattered the most. And um, the state rankings, you know, I think I think everything played out pretty well. A couple couple. Uh, Teams here, you know, North Atlanta finished nine. Douglas County was eight. North Atlanta eliminated Douglas County. North Atlanta probably has a really good argument to get that eight seed or that eight ranking in Class 6A. But I guess in my defense, Douglas County was better throughout the entire year. But uh, I think North Atlanta some beef for that eighth spot. Uh, everything else, uh, you know, pretty pretty decent here and there. It's kind of tough to juggle. Okay. Do I put? Do we throw out the entire season and everything you did in the regular season? We throw that completely out the window and go solely based what you did in the state tournament. I tried to steer. I mean, Heritage Conyers was was they were only fourteen and eight going into Class Six A tournament, and they finished seventeen and nine, and they did a really nice job, and they ended up uh, ranked six in the state and four. Uh, so I felt like that sixth spot for them is pretty pretty good considering that that was a really bad region and all their losses. I mean, they pretty much lost to all the, the quote-unquote good teams they saw in the regular season. But give them credit, they did beat Bradwell Institute in the, uh, in the state tournament and they also eliminated North Atlanta. So I feel good about Heritage uh, being fought because, again, Coffee, Coffee had links and Hughes on the ropes the entire game. Coffee was a really good team. Tri Cities was a very good team, um, but that pretty much sums it up. I feel like everything else was pretty, pretty well set up. You know, I think they all determined where they were going to end up at the end of the day. Uh, most of these games were decided on the court, and I didn't really have too much, too much to do with it, other than I, I think those two, two or three classifications we just mentioned. But pretty much everything else, uh, these teams decided it on the floor and just to be clear kyle last question for the podcast this is uh rankings that are reflective of the 2017-18 season that just passed these are not predictive rankings of the 2018-19 season correct correct this is just the the final rankings how the teams all played out and again it it balances what you did in the state tournament but again we can't forget about what the first four months of the season like that that matters too that holds water to me i don't know about it because again we talked about it all throughout the season not all records are created equally and we can use that same terminology when it comes to state tournament not all state tournament paths are created equally you can get the luck of the draw and you can say well it's not our fault we just play who you know we play who we play i understand that but still you can't hammer uh a, a really good team that got you know, got screwed as far as, oh, we got to go through this team and this team and this team, all these top teams. So there is there is um, a lot that goes into these rankings as far as your state tournament path and this and that. But uh, I think for the most part, everything was settled on the court. 
Kyle, this will do it for episode 49 of Spielin' and Dealin'. Um, the pickings will get a little bit slim from here on out as the basketball season is over. It's not going to start back up until, what, next November. So we're going to try to stay with you. We'll have some content. All state honors will be out sometime this week on the website at Sandy Spiel. I know you've been working very hard on that, so expect those to come out sometime later this week. We will be back on the podcast in two weeks' time to wrap up some little odds and ends, do a little miscellaneous topics podcast. But until then, on behalf of Kyle Sandy, this is Ramin Vergani signing off.